0: Fifth line, Mike Todd here in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now,
1: here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman.
2: What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy.
1: And I'm Laura.
2: And Laura, we're joined by a very special guest today, um, who probably needs no introduction to Blue Jackets fans, especially those of you on Twitter um, and those of you who listen on the radio. Because we're joined by Dylan Tyre, the radio host and broadcast coordinator for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Dylan, how's it going?
0: Uh, it's great. Thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to come on, and you guys have uh, you guys messaged me a while ago wanting me to come on, so I'm happy to do it. Eager to talk some trade deadline, because as you guys know, I like to play uh, Twitter GM.
2: There's no better person to do exactly that. So we're really <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, you know, the title's great. You know, your position, cool and all. But talk to us about who you are, what you do with the team, what your role is. Um, just kind of give us the dill entire story.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm originally from the Los Angeles area. Uh, and then I went to Ohio State. Uh, knew I wanted to get into sports broadcasting. And that happened rather quickly at Ohio State. I got right into it. Um, start Got my start uh, doing Ohio State women's hockey, actually. So Ohio State women's hockey is near and dear to my heart. We recently came out with a little video feature on the growth of the program the last six or so seasons. So shameless plug. If you haven't checked that out, make sure to go check it out because the Ohio State women's team is they're doing something special right now. Going to the Frozen Four and potentially looking for their first ever national championship. But yeah, long way of saying I got my start in broadcasting doing Ohio State women's hockey, then started doing Ohio State men's hockey um, did other sports at Ohio State, football, basketball, baseball, um, on top of doing the hockey stuff. Um, got very lucky to be a Blue Jackets broadcasting intern um, during my sophomore year at college, and the rest is history. I got really fortunate, and I was in a good position at that time, that Bob McElligot and uh, the former director of broadcasting, Russ Mollahan, who retired before this season, they liked me enough to bring me back in a part-time role where I kind of helped out as a, a production assistant while I finished college. Um, and then Ryan Mitchell, who was the Blue Jackets radio network host prior to me, um, he actually started coaching uh, Grove City High School wrestling. So right when I graduated college, the job opened up. So, again, really fortunate, really lucky to find myself in that position. Um, got brought in to do that, did some podcasting on the side. Um, I'm sure you guys have you know seen uh, the Pipeline podcast, which I do as well, talking with Blue Jackets prospects um, and then this offseason, Russ retired, so I took on some more duty uh, managing the radio network and helping out um, with video stuff, which I'm sure you've seen a little bit of some video features, um, more podcasting and, and doing what I usually do, hosting on the radio network. So a lot of different stuff. And it's a terrific job. I'm Like I said, I'm really fortunate, really lucky to be where I am.
1: Well, and Dylan, you can't forget your favorite part of your job, which is co-hosting the skate space week uh, with our (laughs) friend of the podcast, Jeff Savota.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's a a new, uh, a new iteration of my job duties this year that, you know, Jeff and I have always had pretty good chemistry. We get along really well. We riff off each other well. And, you know, we were talking with some other people at the blue jackets and said, Hey, you know, we should really start doing something together. And, you know, we had pitched the idea of doing something together a while back and it didn't, didn't go anywhere at that point. Um, But then with um, Twitter spaces becoming a thing, I saw that and immediately said, uh, you know, we should probably do something with this. First, it was Clubhouse, right? If you guys remember Clubhouse, everybody was into Clubhouse for a while. And that's when I said it to Jeff, I got on Clubhouse really, really quickly. I was one of the first people I knew on Clubhouse. And I said to Jeff, hey, this is pretty cool. We should do something like this, host a happy hour or something. And then um, Twitter spaces quickly became a thing and the rest is history there too, I guess. Jeff and I have enjoyed doing that and um we're looking forward to hosting many more going forward. I like talking with the fans. I think that's a, a fun thing that people have enjoyed so far is you know, the the fans being able to interact with Jeff and I. And we're both easygoing guys who like to hear from the fans and like to chop it up a little bit. So I think that's what's made it fun.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's one of the many like different things that has come out of like this sort of roller coaster of a season that the blue, the blue jackets have been experiencing. I think it's uh, definitely different than anyone expected. It would be if you would have asked people uh, in late September, early October. Uh, So what has been your favorite part about working with the team so far in this season,
0: this season? Well, I, I mean, I think we saw it. I don't know you know, necessarily at the time of this recording, I'll say the last game, the blue jackets played was Cole Sillinger's first career NHL hat trick. And nationwide arena was just about electric as it has been all season th- that night with Cole recording that hat trick. And just the, I mean, it was a fantastic game. The blue jackets for the most part have played really entertaining hockey ever since the all-star break, which has been terrific. It's been so, so fun at nationwide arena. I've loved it. Um, but I'm, I'm a prospect guy. I'm a forecast the future guy. Like I said, I love playing Twitter GM. And I've always been interested in prospects and young players and building a team and developing a team, no matter what sport it is. I grew up a huge baseball fan, and that's where it all started for me. And like I said, I'm was from La- i from Los Angeles, and I grew up about five minutes away from the LA Kings facility and started playing there when I was three. So that's really how I got into hockey. And um, I- I've always just loved you know, the the development side of things, drafting, developing and signing free agents, building a team. So I would say my favorite part of this season has been exactly that seeing all those guys come over in the Seth Jones trade, whether it's Adam Boquist, Jake Bean, Cole Sillinger, a direct result of that trade with the Blue Jackets, drafting him with the 12th overall pick that actually was the 11th overall pick because of the whole Arizona Coyotes situation. Um, Which actually kind of sucks because Mike Sillinger, I believe, was the 11th overall pick in his draft. So it would have been cool because father-son drafted at 11th. I guess technically that's where Cole went. But um, my favorite part has been seeing those guys become a part of the Blue Jackets and really kind of cement themselves as a part of the future, as part of the core of the team. Um, Whether it's Igor Chinnikov coming over to North America, playing with the Blue Jackets, Cole Sillinger, like I said, Boquist, Jake Bean all these guys that are new to the blue jackets. That's been so fun this season. And you can see, you get a glimpse of what the blue jackets are going to be. And I thoroughly believe, I I really do believe that the blue jackets are going to be a very special team in in just a couple of seasons. And after this season, I think it's going to be sooner uh, rather than later, sooner than we probably previously expected. And a night like that with Cole Sillinger scoring those three goals, just gives you a glimpse of what he could be for the blue jackets and what the blue jackets could potentially have going forward because he's not the only guy that's going to be scoring his first career NHL hat trick too right it's going to happen to Chinikov it's going to happen to Kent Johnson who will be here potentially at the end of this season and then into next year there are a lot of things to look forward to so I've had a lot of fun relishing those moments and, and experiencing those moments and being a part of those moments this season and I'll give honorable mention to the Rick Nash ceremony because that was pretty cool too.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. I never thought I would experience something like that, and just being able to catch that and like take that in, which was so unique at a time where we're talking so much about the newness of the Columbus Blue Jackets and the future of the Columbus Blue Jackets. To also be able to like, you know, put that alongside of a ceremony like that a few weeks ago for Rick. I mean, it was just such a special moment for the franchise, and I felt like it was done at just the right time.
0: Yeah, that was that's a great point by you that I hadn't necessarily thought about that. You know, so much is changing in the Blue Jackets organization right now. It's such a young franchise and a young team on the ice and off the ice, too. Brad Larson, obviously, in his first year as an NHL head coach. And there's kind of that, I don't necessarily want to say mending of fences, obviously, because, you know, everybody loves Rick Nash and, and things like that. But it didn't necessarily end in Columbus the way that he wanted to or the fans wanted to, right? You know, everybody thought it would end in, in winning. Um, but I think it is really special that, you know, it's kind of a call back to the old and the organization really, really tying itself together that now Rick Nash is, he's not just a part of the organization. He's the guy that's directly in charge of handling the development for these young guys. So it's really, really special. And and you're right. That's that was a great point by you. And I'm so excited about that, that the Blue Jackets, it's really, really a family again. Right
2: yeah it feels that way and it's hard to not feel that from the fan side of things too it just feels like everything is simpatico again <laughs> i don't know that's, if that's good the no, right that's way to... good
0: i'm glad the fans feel that way I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy they feel that way
2: no doubt and and i think you say it exactly right when you're talking about like what's been so exciting about this season is is thinking about the prospects i mean it seems like every chance the blue jackets have had to call up a young guy to perform on the big stage you know trey fix Volansky, you know igor tinikov making the team cole Sillinger, all these young guys, I mean, the prospects are a <laughs> plenty in Columbus. And you, like you mentioned earlier, the prospects pipeline podcast that you've been doing, which seems like it's just a, a lot of fun for you to do. Like, it sounds like, it's one of the best parts of your job. What, who has been your favorite prospect to get to know, um, not only as a player, but just as a person as you've been going through that process?
0: That's a good question. Um, I really like all the guys. There's not one guy where it's like, ah, I didn't really like that interview. It's, I've had a really good time getting to know all of them. The last one that I did, I did Samuel Kanashko. Um, he was a Blue Jackets third round draft pick in 2020. He's playing right now in the WHO with the Seattle Thunderbirds. And uh, I had no idea what to expect because I had never talked to him before. Um, never seen him before. Um, didn't know how well he would speak English because he's, he's from Slovakia. Just won a bronze medal. Um, first ever hockey medal for Slovakia in their nation's history at the Winter Olympics. Um, but he hopped right on and he was like, Hey, how's it going? So great to meet you. So excited. So I really liked getting to know him. Um, Kent Johnson was obviously cool because he's a big time, you know, he's a big time Blue Jackets prospect. Um, I feel like I've always had a special bond with Trey Fix Wolanski because he was a guy that I talked to way back when I started the pipeline podcast. And, um, I think Trey F- Fix Wolanski's first call up. So, um, right after the All Star break when the Blue Jackets, went on that trip where they started winning. And obviously Trey scored in his first NHL game in Washington. Um, I think I was the first person in the blue jackets organization to see Trey in the building because Trey walks. I just happened to be walking out of the locker room tunnel and somebody is walking through security with all their bags and all their sticks. And I looked to the right and I said, Oh my goodness, that's Trey Fixolansky." I said, Hey Trey, Dylan tire. Nice to meet you. We've talked to each other a million times over the internet, but I'm finally meeting you in person. So that one was a good one. And you know, I've enjoyed getting to know him. There's so many different guys that that I have gotten to know and that I've liked talking to. Um, it's hard to pick one, but I guess recency bias says that I like Samuel Kanashko just because I, I think he's going to be a fan favorite going forward. Once he gets to Columbus and kind of establishes himself, I think he'll be a fan favorite because I, I think he likes the social media and I think he likes interacting with fans and having fun. So, you know, I talked to him for 25, 30 minutes and that's what I was able to pull away. So who knows if it's right, but, um, I, I seem to like Sam a lot and, and he, I think he'll be a fun guy for Blue Jackets fans.
1: Well, and speaking of like fan favorites and like people getting emotionally attached to players at the time of us recording this, we are a week away from the NHL okay. tra- trade deadline, and. Um, You might not know this. I'm the more emotional one of the two of us on this show um and the trade that's deadline fair. Like-
0: that's fair you everybody needs it's good that you guys are cut in half that way somebody has to be emotional because i mean that's how i feel when i see a guy traded away part of me's sad because i'm gonna miss him but you need to have the business mind too right so it's good that you guys are split down the middle like that
2: yeah i'm not yeah. heartless one i'm pretty <laughs> much just like oh it's a good move for the team. that's great
0: <laughs> like of yeah, course but, yeah, is like- jeremy likes winning and laura likes having fun so yeah. well actually winning winning means fun so hey <laughs> I'm,
1: only, I'm only still trying to get over the fact that Cam Atkinson is not a blue jacket anymore, so it's fine. Everything's yes, fine. Yeah.
0: Hey, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens when Kent Johnson comes to town. I'm very interested to see if they give Kent Johnson number thirteen.
1: Yes, you said that on the skate space the other day, yeah. and I used it in our show. After that, I was like, Dylan said, we're going to learn a lot about how people feel about Cam Cam Atkinson uh, based on what happens when Kent comes. Uh, to town. So personally, I'm very anxious for that moment. <laughs> <First time. laughs> um, So yes, so we have, you know, we have the trade deadline coming up. So, you know, all fans know, absolutely none of this is in our control, no matter how much we talk about it or tweet about it or pray to Yarmo about it. Um, so with all of it being out of your control, how do you manage the stress Uh, preparing um, for all the changes that may come to the Blue Jackets.
0: Honestly, I haven't thought about it whatsoever. You just kind of, I think that's how you do it. You just kind of go with the flow, right? Um, I'm excited if, I mean, if new players come in, I'm excited to get to know them and talk to them. If it's draft picks, I'm that that much more excited because, you know, that means the potential to to find some real gems in the NHL entry draft. Um, But, stress-wise I haven't even thought about it we'll see when we get there right um but you know I, I guess just don't think about it too much it's been a weird deadline it's a much different deadline than last year because it was a, it was an emotional trade deadline last year right Blue Jackets weren't going well there weren't a whole lot of positives you heard the rumors that Nick Felino might be gone Savard might be gone um those were obviously the big ones right and those are fan favorites right there and that was a little bit different. That was harder to deal with. You miss those guys, but, um, yeah, I guess to answer your question, I, I haven't thought about it enough to stress about it.
2: We we probably need to take notes. We, we probably need to like learn how learn how to do exactly that because I'm the kind of person where like weeks beforehand I start thinking about all the scenarios and all the different proposals that I think would be fascinating and and one of them, I think, you know, what might be a little bit different about this deadline too than last deadline is you pretty much knew that what you were going to get back from last deadline was going to be pretty much all futures, right? Like you were pretty much looking at picks and, and maybe high high tier prospects, but really that wasn't even a part of the conversation. It was mostly who's going to give us a first round pick for Nick for David Um, where this year it feels like there might be more, um, of a desire to, I don't want to say make hockey trades, but make trades that could potentially affect the Blue Jackets from a player's perspective right away. Um, one of those, uh, and the fourth period tied the Blue Jackets to him, um, is possibly Dylan Strom in Chicago. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on that, if you've heard those rumors, um, what you think the Blue Jackets would have to give up in that scenario, what would you be comfortable giving up in that scenario, and just basically do you think that that's a possibility on trade deadline day?
0: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting proposition, right? Because the rumor has been that the Chicago Blackhawks have been shopping Dylan Strome for a long time. You know, the Blue Jackets were kind of linked to him. Um, I think it was by the same source, the fourth line, the the Blue Jackets were linked to Dylan Strome before the season as well. And things, I mean, things in Chicago have obviously been strange for the last year and a half. Um, They started the season poorly. Um, Jeremy Colleton was in charge there. Dylan Strome wasn't playing a whole lot at that point. Um I was actually talking about this before the Blue Jackets Wild game the other night. Um, that Dylan Strome, he played with Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane right when he got to Chicago. And he was excellent. If you remember that, he put up, I think, 50 points in his first season with the Blackhawks, and everybody was like, All right, this is a heck of a move. This guy could be their number one center or number two center of the future. Then he kind of fell out of favor, I guess, with Jeremy Colleton. He was playing on the fourth line for the bulk of this season. He was being scratched early in the season. Um, And then Colleton gets fired. He's replaced by Derek King. Um, And now he's back playing with Alex Debrinkin and Patrick Kane, and he's playing out of his mind right now. Um, So first and foremost, I don't know if the Chicago Blackhawks still want to trade him. I, you know, I've read some things that, um, that indicate that, yeah, Kyle Davidson is still open to trading Strome the way that Stan Bowman was. um, But you got to wonder what the price is going to be. He's kind of a tricky player to evaluate, right? Because when he's played with other elite players, and I consider both Patrick Kane and Alex Dobrynkit to be elite players. Dobrynkit's an elite scorer, and he's come along defensively in his NHL career. And Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane, maybe the best American hockey player of all time. Um, when you're playing with those guys, it makes things pretty easy, right? Um, but but also Dylan Strome, his skill is shown playing with those two guys, where his skill doesn't show as much when he's playing in a bottom six role because they're not those guys that are finishing his passes, or there's not those guys that are setting him up um the way he needs to be set up to score. But he does have a ton of skill. Uh, he was a high first round pick for a reason. Um, do I see a fit with the blue jackets? Who knows? Because the Blue Jackets need centerman, right? Um, but I don't know if Yarmo Kekalainen considers Dylan Strom a centerman because he's played on the wing in his career, too. He's, You know, Dylan Strome, in some ways, is a very similar player to Max Domi, who the Blue Jackets are, you know, I guess, prospectively shopping right now at the NHL trade deadline in that they're both highly skilled players. They both can play center. I think Dylan Strom's probably more of a center than Max Domi at this point. Um But I think both of them to get the most out of their game, they have to be playing with other very good players. And you saw it in that game for Max Domi, where he's playing with Cole Sillinger and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Both of those guys were going in that game and Max Domi looked great because he was setting them up and those guys are good enough players to finish what he's setting up and, and vice versa. Um So it, it is a, it is an interesting conundrum. Um, you know, I don't know what the what the price would necessarily be, but I got to cons- I got to I got to think that Chicago is either wanting young talent in return or they're wanting draft picks in return because Kyle Davidson has indicated that, you know, this is going to be a rebuild for the Chicago Blackhawks. So I would assume that, you know, I don't know how high people are willing to go because it's going to vary team to team, right? What your evaluation of Dylan Strom is, um, what your needs are, um, whether or not you plan Plan to play him at center or play him on the wing because centers are obviously, you know, all due respect to the elite wingers in the National Hockey League, but centers are the most valuable position in, in the NHL. Um, you know, he was a high first round pick. Are the Blackhawks still asking for a first round pick for him? I don't think it'll be a high first round pick. It'd be a late first round pick, uh, or is it a package of of middle round picks? You know, between a second and fourth round pick. Where there are a couple picks in there, say maybe two second round picks for Dylan Strome, or a second round pick and you know one of your middle of the pack prospects or something like that. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be an NHL GM, but where I value Dylan Strome, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overpay for a player like that. I'd be comfortable trading away a second round pick or something like that. But where the Blue Jackets stand, I'm not going to trade one of your two you know perspective top ten picks for Dylan Strome, and I don't necessarily think. Um, you know, unless you're willing to part with a prospect, and I don't think you would be willing to part with a prospect that would bring you back a player like Dylan Strome at this point. And I think the Blackhawks would be looking for picks more than anything. Um, so, I mean, this has been a long answer to your question, but I would be interested in Dylan Strome because I think he's a good player. And when the Blue Jackets have elite players in place to play alongside him, I think it could work. But um, I think the Blue Jackets are looking for, you know, more consistency down the middle guys that are going to be, uh, obviously strong playmakers, but good defensive players as well. Um, because that's something they've struggled with, you know, look at a player like Jack Roslavik. He's another comparable probably to Dylan Strome, right? A guy that has a ton of offensive upside and can flourish with the right players on his wings. Um, and he's shown better defensively this season. I'll give him that. He's played the penalty kill and things. But that has been a question of his throughout his NHL career. So I feel like the Blue Jackets have had plenty of players like Dylan Strom. Um, and, you know, maybe you'll ask later on what my thoughts on, on what the Blue Jackets will do with Jack Roslevic is. But um, if you're going to keep Jack Roslevic, I don't necessarily see a need for Dylan Strome, right?
1: Yeah, we always seem to find the Blue Jackets always seem to find themselves in these like very interesting circumstances where it's like we get tied to potentially going like going after a player and you're like, does that player really make sense? Um, would it be cool to have them as a Blue Jacket? Sure. yeah. But like when we're in the place that we are, which again, we're not even at the place that we thought we were going to be at, you know, four and a half months ago when the season started Um, and even so every day, our circumstances seem to change, um, based on where we are and, you know, no one knows what's happening in, in Yarmo's head and with his team until it happens. But, um, you know, someone like Dylan Strom, um, would be interesting. I agree with you. Like, it would be interesting. He's a great player. I just don't know, in my opinion, like what I've seen so far, if he would work,
0: yeah, well, the, the um, thing is, the thing is, right? If if he's going to be a center, he's got to be a top six center in the National Hockey League. You look at what the Blue Jackets' plans are for the future. You know, they've said that they've drafted their two top six centers of the future in this past draft: fifth overall, Kent Johnson; eleventh or twelfth overall, Cole Sillinger. If that's the case, where's Dylan Strome going to fit in, right? Unless you're going to play him on the wing. So that's that's the way I kind of think about it.
1: Right. Exactly. So it's it's all these just weird puzzle pieces and or chess more so I guess would be the more the appropriate game to equate it to but because especially with you know we've you and Jeff have talked about it I know we've talked about it we've got you know three pretty major names you know fan favorite Blue Jackets that are up sort of in consideration because there are going to be UFAs at the end of the season in Corpusalo, in Max Domi and Dean Kukin um, being kind of our major targets at this trade, trade deadline, but do you see anyone else getting dealt like any of the RFAs or anyone sort of out out on left field potentially?
0: I think it'll, you know, all indications right now are that it'll be those UFAs for the most part. Um, Listen, nothing is going to surprise me at this trade deadline. To be completely honest with you, I, I'm, you know, the Blue Jackets do what the Blue Jackets do. Yarmo Kekalainen's been known to make a splash every now and again, right? You think about the Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad trade. Nobody saw that one coming, and it came out of came out of thin air. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily see see a situation where um, you know one of the RFAs or a guy who has term on his contract would be dealt because Yarmo, I think also wants to keep the, the, this core of guys together for the most part. Um, But again, I think it's more so about forecasting the future. You look at what the blue jackets have coming in on the wings, where those guys are going to fit the different prospects. The blue jackets have the picks, the blue jackets have, you know, will Max Domi have a place to play on this blue jackets team. If you're going to have Kirill Marchenko coming in on the wing, Um, Igor Chinikov trying to play on a wing Gus Nyquist playing on a wing Oliver Bjorkstrand playing on a wing Patrick Laine playing on a wing you know I've already named a number of guys right there that that are prospectively going to be top six wingers and you're already getting into the third line with those guys so are you going to pay Max Domi what you're going to pay Max Domi to be a fourth line player no there's there's just no need for that so those are the moves that I see happening right that you know there's not necessarily a need for Max Domi in the future. I like Max Domi. I think he's a good player, but what you have coming in and the assets that you could get for Max Domi and the money that you could save by trading Max Domi, make that something that just makes sense and that you almost have to do. Whereas, you know, the RFA situation, we'll see how it all plays out because it it does get crowded on those wings. Um, You know, Alexander Texier hasn't played for a long time. He wants to fit in somewhere, right? Do the Blue Jackets see him as a centerman uh, in the future? There's that third line center spot that's looking pretty good, but you've also got Boone Jenner and Sean Corrale tied up for the foreseeable future as well. So there are a lot of bodies for the Blue Jackets, and I think they're doing the right thing in that there are a lot of bodies, but they're going to see who works out and who doesn't and they're going to take the best guys and they're going to use the best guys. And the best guys are going to be Columbus blue jackets. And then maybe the players that are kind of on the fringe. Those are, those are the guys that they deal going forward, but that's a couple seasons away. So right now I think you do what you can to acquire more assets, make some room for those guys that are going to be coming in and, and, I just don't think you make any rash decisions right now. There's no need to, right? There's no need to make those decisions with the RFA.
2: There is plenty more Blue Jackets trade deadline coverage with Dylan Tire coming up right after a word from our sponsors at DraftKings. Because as we all know, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins and soon to be big trades. And as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NHL has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win, and that's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy hockey contests because DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. You're just going to want to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Official sports betting partner of the NHL 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, I'll throw it back over to Laura, myself, and Dylan Tire. I just watched Laura die a little bit inside when you were talking about Max getting traded.
0: (laughs) You know, it's it does stink because you see the way that Max Domi's played lately, and you're like, ah, maybe the Blue Jackets want to keep him, but you know, I'm I'm kind of with. With the way Jeremy thinks here, and that you got to do what's best for the organization, best for this franchise going forward, and it's a tough situation because, again, like I said, uh, I like Max Domi. His comments after the last game got me thinking about that, really, where he's like, "Oh, this is such a special group of guys. We all love being together. That's what makes it so tough, right?" But it is a business, and you're not going to be paying Max Domi four or five million dollars a season to be playing wing on the fourth line when you've got, you know, Kent Johnson, Kirill Marchenko. Gus Nyquist, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Patrick Laine, Jake Voracek. I didn't even mention Voracek before. Um, you've got all those guys taking up the top nine. Alexander Texier, Justin Danforth just signed. I mean, that's a lot of guys to be locked in. And you've got Trey fix Wolanski waiting in the wings, Tyler Angles in Cleveland, Liam Foodies in Cleveland, all these different guys. <laughs> it makes it pretty difficult, right? So, hey. If uh, if the Blue Jackets see a need elsewhere and they think they can get draft picks or whatever for Max Domi, I think you have to you have to make that move right and set yourself up for the most success possible.
2: I mean, it's a good problem to have. I don't think anybody it, in Columbus. It's, no, it's a terrific
0: play. it's a terrific problem to have. And Yarmo's done a good job. He Yarmo completely changed the complexion of this this team last off season and the assets that he was able to require. I give him a lot of credit. It was. What he was able to do around the NHL draft was terrific.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And I honestly, as we're recording, Josh Manson just got traded from Anaheim. He got traded to Colorado. Oh,
0: wow. What's the deal?
2: um, It's uh, for Drew Hellison and a pick. Okay. Okay. So prospects and a pick. So the smallest part of me is just sitting here panicking that at some point during this recording, we're going to have a Blue Jacket trade come through and I'm just going to lose it, is, it. But
0: it is a weird trade deadline where it, like there, there's not as much certainty at this trade deadline. There's different like last year, like you said earlier, Jeremy, you kind of knew it was going to be David Savard. You knew it was going to be Nick Felino, and you knew the Blue Jackets were going to be getting a first round pick for each one of them. This year, it's like, all right, Max Domi's out there, Corpy's out there. He's been out there. Kukin's name has kind of been out there. It's like, but who knows what you're gonna get for these guys because the market has not been set.
2: Yeah, and you just said Liam Foodie, and in, in your last answer, and I was like, oh shit, like,
0: <laughs> like I didn't even think about like <laughs> yeah. Liam Foodie and like whether or not like he's
2: like gonna be somebody who's used as like a potential piece and w- which would be a great piece, but it's also like. I want to see Liam in Columbus for at least a little (laughs) bit, right? Like, see him get the chance to stick. But we know that that's not always the possibility, right? Like, so kind of that same point, like, I feel like there are the obvious untouchables, right? I mean, the Kent Johnson's the world, Cole Cylinder, Chrome. Like, nobody's even calling. Well, they might be calling, but you're on the side. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Connor
0: McDavid, if Connor McDavid's on the board and Kent (laughs) Johnson's the the two pieces for Connor McDavid, hey, maybe so. But no, you're right, you're right, you're right.
2: Yeah, if I was Connor, I would think about maybe asking for that request, but that I digress. Um, but yeah, I mean, who do you think is untouchable at this deadline? I mean, I know you said the RFAs, it doesn't make a lot of sense to to go after, but of the guys that you think could be on the table, who would you say are the untouchables?
0: Oh, that's a tough call because, again, you've got to be listening on everybody because maybe an offer blows you away. But, you know, Zach Wierenski just signed long term. I don't see the Blue Jackets trading him. Uh, frankly, I don't really see the Blue Jackets trading anybody on that blue line that that is locked in right now and that they just dealt, whether it's Jake Bean, Adam Boquist, Zach Wierenski, Vladislav Gavrikov. I think the Blue Jackets like a ton. Um, Andrew Peak, obviously, Blue Jackets like as well. Um, you know, that's a that's a good question as well because you know Boone Jenner's not going to be traded, Sean is not going to be traded, uh, Patrick Line, he's not going to be traded. You know, I I think the Blue Jackets. Are going to try to sign Patrick Line, a, but if a line a trade were going to happen, it's not going to be right now, it'll be during the off season. But again, I don't think they're going to trade him. Jake Voracek's not going to be traded, those guys are all untouchable, right? Um, as far as other guys go, who knows? You know, it's like I said, you always got to be listening. There, it got reported a couple of weeks ago that the Blue Jackets were taking calls on Alexander Texier, right? That doesn't necessarily mean the Blue Jackets are shopping Alexander Texier. That just means somebody gave Yarmouk Ekaline in a phone call and said, hey, what do you think about Alexander Texier? What would it take to get Texier away? And I don't what was the reported asking price for Alexander Texier, a first round pick and a high level prospect or something like that. I mean, that's a huge ask for a guy that was a second round pick. You know, Alexander Texier obviously showed his potential this season and it looked like he was going to have his NHL breakout. Unfortunately, you know, some things are going on in his life right now where he's away from the team and, you know, all the best to Alexander Texier. But, you know, with that being said, Hey, listen on everybody, right? I'm, I'm not opposed to listening on, on anybody at all, no matter who that is, that could be any of the, you know, quote unquote untouchables that I just talked about. But I mean, we know, we know who it is. We know those, those core pieces of the blue jackets, the Oliver Bjork strands you know, the Jake Voraceks, the Patrick Liney, the Boone Jenner, the Zach Wierenski, all those guys are core pieces. Um, and I don't see those guys going anywhere.
1: But the way that the Blue Jackets, like, internet community just ex- imploded when those rumors came out about Alexander Texier and with his noticeable yeah. absence, the conspiracy theories... Of what is happening with Alexander Czech, so even after the statement from the team that he's dealing with some personal issues, people are still like, "This is shady." I just, I'm fascinated by
0: yeah, the no, conspiracy it's, theories. It's not, it's not just the fans that think that too. You know, I was talking to some of my buddies, and we're like, "What's going on here?" You know, who really knows? But you know, that statement from the team, I think, cleared things up, and I don't really think you need to look into it any more than that, and. It's a it, tough situation right now for Alexander Texier dealing with some things. and um, But like I said, if people are calling on him, you got to listen. He's a good player and he could bring you a big return. He's young. He's got term. All that is enticing.
1: Well, and I think it's we've had a couple of good reminders this season for fans to remember that the players are people off of the ice. So things do come up in their lives and um, they need to take – time away and we're there we're very lucky that the team is you know has worked well with those people that have needed to uh take a break from the team even if it tosses the whole (laughs) the whole mess of things um up in the air for a little while but
0: yeah that's the nice thing about the blue jackets right they've had some adversity each of the past four or five seasons and seems like there's always guys there to fill in which is really nice it's a nice luxury to have
1: yes absolutely and so we reached out um, to sort of transition. We reached out to our Twitter followers okay. to send in some questions. We haven't told them yet that we're talking to you. We <laughs> we like to keep our guests secret, but um, so we had a few people send some stuff in. So we're going to see what you feel about what some of the fans are talking about. Okay. Um, so the first one is from Kelly or. At Kelly Marie B11, she's a friend of ours as well. So hi Kelly, um, <laughs> and she wants to know: Do you think Corpy's performance this season has hurt his trade value? And what are some potential places that you could see him as a good fit?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a tough situation with Jonas Corpasalo, right? Um, because he was so good in the NHL bubble, or the playoff bubble, I should say, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he had that record setting playoff performance against the Toronto or who was it at that point, not the Maple Leafs, but it was the Tampa Bay lightning at that point, that long overtime game, but he was terrific against the Maple Leafs as well. Um, his value was, was at an all time high at that point, but that off season, the goalie market was completely flooded. Then this off season, the goalie market was completely flooded again. Um, and it's kind of a tough situation because there's a good crop of young goaltenders coming into the NHL and there's that veteran crop of goaltenders that's still sticking around and staying on teams, whether it's a Braden Holtby or a Mark Andre Fleury or a guy like Craig Anderson, that's the goaltender in Buffalo right now, right now, there's all these guys that have been really, really good in their NHL careers, um, but they're not going anywhere. They're sticking around. So that's made things kind of difficult. There's not necessarily as big of a need for goaltenders because there are so many quality goalies. Uh, You could toss a guy like Jonathan quick into that conversation too in LA Um, Jimmy Howard, you know, he is out of the game now, but he was a guy that stuck around for a long time. Um, So it, it just made things tough. You know, that that would have been the best situation to trade Jonas Corposalo right, right after that bubble where he played out of his mind and everybody thought, okay, this guy could be a real number one. And at that point, Elvis Merzlikens had looked really good that first season for him too. And everybody said, okay, this guy's a, a bona fide number one. So the Blue Jackets at that point had two bona fide number ones. Now Jonas Corposalo has struggled for the last two seasons. He's had trouble staying healthy. He's just had a really unlucky season this year between you know getting sick, um, staying healthy, Um, and then his play on the ice just hasn't been, you know, what we've been accustomed to really with Corpus And, you know, it's a different team in front of him. I'm sure that plays a factor as well, but yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think his trade value is, has suffered because of the numbers this season, which, which isn't great. Um, as for a fit for Jonas Corpus look at any of the teams that need a goaltender. You know, I've, I've also heard the scenario that, you know, remember when the Blue Jackets brought in Keith Kincaid to be kind of their third goalie in case of emergency a couple of seasons ago for the playoffs? I've heard that situation pitched for Jonas Corpusala, which obviously is not ideal for Corby because I think he's a better goaltender than that. Um, a guy that's just going to be your kind of insurance plan for the postseason. But it's it's going to pe- depend on what the goalie market dictates. And again, there still are a good number of goalies out there right now that could be available. Um but you know, as for a fit, just look at the teams that need goaltenders. I know Edmonton talk, you know, people have talked about that and Ken Holland hasn't necessarily been comfortable with the asking price, which was between a second and third round pick, if not both. Um, you know, you look at the Minnesota wild, their goaltenders haven't been great this season. Um, Vegas has some goaltending issues right now. We saw that last night at nationwide arena. Um, Toronto is having goaltender issues right now. They're obviously familiar with what Corpusalo can do in the postseason. They witnessed that firsthand. Um, you know, it's there are a lot of different teams. It's the same situation with Max Domi, right? All these good teams are saying, hey, we want secondary scoring and some grit. Well, that's exactly what Max Domi is, secondary scoring and some grit. There are all these teams that are saying, hey, we could use another goaltender for the postseason. Maybe it's Jonas Corpusalo. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche, maybe they want to add a goaltender. Who knows? Who knows You know what these teams want to add? Because I feel like it happens more often than not um, around the trade deadline. Some team will swoop in out, out of nowhere that you didn't expect. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. That They needed a goaltender. Um, so the mar- I just think the market is going to dictate what happens with Corpusalo Because if a team is comfortable with paying the asking price for the Blue Jackets, And he's going to be, you know, their number two going into the playoffs or they're going to give him an opportunity to win the job and and be their guy going into the playoffs. That's a great situation for Corpus or the Blue Jackets could get, you know, a lesser prospect or a later round draft pick. And, you know, they send Jonas Corpus to be somebody's third goaltender for the postseason. I think that's worst case scenario. Right. But. As much as I hate to say it because I love Jonas Corposalo, I've loved talking to him over the past few seasons. I think he's underrated the funniest blue jacket and the most entertaining blue jacket. Um, but I think you have to trade him, right? You have to get something for a guy rather than just letting him walk.
2: Yeah, and I think a few weeks ago, Elliot Friedman said that the asking price was a second and a third. And if somebody called me right now and was like, Hey, I'll give you a second and a third for Jonas Corposolo, I would I would have facts over before the phone hung up. Like, I, I think that would just be a really valuable return. Like you said, but um, was it, was it a fifth round pick that the jackets gave up for Keith Kincaid? Back yeah. In I, I, can't, I can't remember what it
0: was specifically. Uh I could look it up, but you know, it was, it wasn't necessarily anything of significant value, but you know, it was the blue jackets. They paid a small price and they got a guy that was their insurance policy. And Keith K- Keith Kincaid rather has bounced around a little bit after that, you know, he's still playing um but yeah it's a, it was kind of a I don't want to say a throwaway pick but it was a, le- a pick of lesser value right
2: yeah and I'll say that fifth round pick was worth all of the emojis that we got on Twitter
0: yeah uh, it was a, that yeah, yeah it you're worth. right it was it was that was <laughs> terrific and I just looked yeah it was a fifth round pick actually in the 2022 NHL draft
2: oh so we'll know who uh it's going to be a stud, right?
0: Yeah, right. Whoever the New York Rangers pick in the fifth round of this year's draft, right? Tough.
2: But, um, you know, obviously things can happen around the deadline that can change strategies, right? Whether that's going on a tear, winning a lot of games, or or like the Blue Jackets find themselves in right now, um, you know, losing a lot of guys to injury. And so, yeah. Um, One of our followers, Nick Tracy at Nick Tracy 84 asked, could all of the recent injuries to Blue Jackets forwards um, change the thinking moving towards the trade deadline? For example, not trading Domi, or maybe instead of just getting picks, getting the forward back or even making a trade to get a forward from a cap strapped team.
0: Yeah, well, the cap strapped team, I think that's a little bit different of a situation there, right? Where if a team, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights have come up. I don't think it's, you know, now that Mark Stone is on long term injured reserve, that problem is kind of solved for them but if he were healthy they were gonna have to move somebody to make room for jack eichel to come into that lineup right and a team could have taken advantage there it'll depend on other trades and you know whether teams need to get players out to make room for players coming in um you know i'd love to see the blue jackets make a hockey trade if they could get a player a player back i'm sure that would be terrific and they would like that too and i don't rule that out um but i think for the most part when it comes to you know the Blue Jackets not being sellers because they got have guys hurt, I don't see that happening. You're still going to get what you can, and you know the Blue Jackets as it stands right now are double digit points out of a playoff spot. Um, if it were a different scenario where you were really in the hunt and you were right on Washington's heels and you were right on Boston's heels, um, maybe so. Maybe you keep a Max Domi in that situation, and maybe you even acquire somebody else in that situation. But as it stands right now, the blue jackets are, they're playing well, but they're relatively out of the hunt right now. Just, it's just, you know, the math of it all. Um, so I still think you have to make your trades and get what pieces you can. And it's an exciting opportunity to see what you have in the pipeline as well. We mentioned those guys in Cleveland and, you know, if you're going to trade a guy like Max Domi and there are some injuries and room in the lineup, um, you're going to be able to see these guys step right in. But because of injury, I don't think injuries will play a factor, no.
1: And, you know, the Blue Jackets have battled injury. It seems like the last few seasons we yeah. go through these periods of time where it's like, oh. I mean, I, I think ever, everyone in the fifth line felt felt the um, universal gut punch uh, the other day when they were like, oh, Boone Jenner and Jakub are not going to play. <laughs> you're like... Oh, fun! Great times.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, but hey, we we pulled it off last night, so um, we are persistent. If if anything, um, and you sort of hinted at this earlier, Dylan. Um, but another one of our followers, Aiden Bernowski at Aiden Bernofsky, um, said he knows that Max Domi has been the center of most discussions. But do you think Jack Roslovic has enough value now to make a beneficial trade? Or do you think or do you see him fitting in to the future of the Blue Jackets?
0: You know, that's an interesting, an interesting question, because I feel, you know, a month or so ahead of the deadline, people kind of talked about that, right? You know, would Jack Roslovic be moved? He could be a piece. I think at this point you hang on to Jack Rosslovic because, I mean, first and foremost, it would be mortifying if you traded Jack Rosslovic away and he became an absolute stud. Um, just, he is a homegrown kid, hometown kid. Um, we see what he could be, right? He's got a ton of skill, still developing as a player, still developing as a centerman in the national hockey league. And again, uh, it's that situation that I talked about earlier where You know, you don't need to make a call right now. You could trade him later on if you had to. If, you know, he doesn't fit in your plans going forward, you can trade him then. But right now, the Blue Jackets need him. He's playing up and down the lineup, playing at center ice, playing the PKs, chipping in offensively. I think think he's a player that you continue to try to develop and you see if he can't become something. Um, And then if the time comes where, you know, you have guys in that top six or in that top nine um, that you like, and Jack Roslovic isn't one of them, then you make that call, but you don't have to make that call right now. So I would say, you know, there's, there's really no need. I don't, I, I don't think if, unless is, unless you got a, a good offer that you were really comfortable with and that you liked a lot, then sure. But you know, it's, it's not like his value is extremely high right now where you really could get something special for trading him. So I say you hold on to him and, and, and see if he can be a piece for you and, if he's not going to be a piece, then you can trade him later on.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Especially, I mean, because he's also got a couple more years of team control even after after this, I think, right? Because he's yeah. going into this 24. So I mean, yeah, or 23, 24. So he's got plenty of time to to work out here in Columbus. And I know that yeah. we're definitely hoping so because the whole also the whole hometown aspect, like like yeah. you said, it's just it's so hard to part with that. Um, if you can avoid it, right? And so um Kind of, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. We've talked about this season, kind of like what the next two seasons look like. Um, we've talked about hockey trades, which I'm all for. Uh, Give me all the hockey trades. But uh, Todd Spence, uh, at Too Tall Todd, asks, what positions do the Blue Jackets need to strengthen, to set them up for next season? I mean, obviously, the center position is one that we I, – I don't think – I've been a Blue Jacket fan really since I can remember, and I don't think I've ever – felt good about our depth at center. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's one, but are there any other positions of note that you feel they could strengthen up here at this deadline?
0: Well, center for sure. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is going to be, is going to come in the draft when it comes to strengthening. So I'm, I'm a big advocate of just acquire picks and draft what you need there. Um, you know, I think the Blue Jackets and we'll see. And I think, you know, some of that shoring up stuff happens more so in the off season rather than at the trade deadline, you know, say the Blue Jackets need a third pair right shot defenseman for next season. I don't think you go and get him right now. I think that's something that you address in the off season, but I bring that up. That's something that I think the Blue Jackets could use. I think they could use a little bit more shutdown um, when it comes to the defensive side of things. But again, you have a bunch of prospects in waiting defensively as well. We've seen a little of Jake Christensen this year. Corson Kuhlman's had a really nice season at Wisconsin. You know, he was the Blue Jackets' third first-round draft pick um, this past summer. I know the organization likes him a lot. Um, there's Stanislav Svozl. There's Samuel Kanashko. There's Ole Julian Bjorg-Vickholm. There's a lot of different prospects that you know, Blue Jackets under Jarmo Kekalainen have had a pretty good deal of success finding those type of defensemen in the later rounds of the NHL entry draft. You look at a guy like Vladislav Gavrikov, who was drafted in the same draft as Zach Wierenski. Wierenski was a first round pick. Gavrikov was a sixth round pick, and Gavi's developed pretty well, hasn't he? You know, he's that shutdown guy in the Blue jacket second pair, but. You know, I think the Blue Jackets could use a little bit more size on defense. They could use a little bit more shutdown on defense. They don't have a ton of right shots on defense, which I think they could use. Um, Other than that, it's just, I I mentioned the depth at wings earlier and all the young wings coming in, but hey, say Kent Johnson doesn't work out at center and he's a much better player on the wing, then you probably need a young center, right? But again, Blue Jackets are going to have two pretty high first round draft picks and you can probably find a center with center there and um, who knows what you get in terms of return for Max Domi, if they're able to trade him? Um, who knows what you get for Jonas Corpusalo, who knows what you get for Dean Cookin if they trade those two guys and you never know where you could hit hit on a hidden gem in the draft, right? That's something that I've also talked about as of late, where the Blue Jackets haven't necessarily had that luck where they find an elite player in the second round or an elite player in the third round or fourth round where some teams have, you know, found a franchise player late in the draft. Blue Jackets haven't necessarily had that luck and who knows, it could happen someday. But um, like I said, I think when it comes to strengthening the lineup, I think that's more of an off-season thing and um, unless you're able to to make a hockey trade like that and you can get a, a nice young player with term that plays at center ice and, or, you know, a nice young player with term that is a, is a good young, solid stout defenseman. Otherwise I think you just acquire draft picks and draft the guys that you've scouted and that you like and hope you can develop them into those players that you covet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's like, we've said all episode, there's, So many possibilities and so many avenues that Yarmo can potentially take in in building, as as JD likes to say, brick by brick, this this group back up, and it's going to be really exciting. I mean, it's going to be emotionally draining for me, but like, it will be really exciting overall um, for the team and the franchise. Um, And so now we have some like rapid fire questions for you. Okay. And so this is where you get to put fully on your like fan hat and like all that sort of stuff. So you don't, you know, whatever comes to mind when we ask you the question, feel free. Okay. Um, So the first one is what's your favorite trade deadline move in Blue Jackets history?
0: Oh, my favorite trade deadline move in Blue Jackets history. Oh, well, I got to I got to go with the Blue Jackets going all in a couple of years ago and in acquiring Matt Duchesne and obviously Ryan Dezingle didn't work out the way the blue jackets wanted, but it was really exciting at the time. Um, And I think that's the best team the blue jackets have ever had. I think that's the best chance the blue jackets have ever had to win the Stanley cup. And you know, that you you look at the blue jackets um, and what they've done in the playoffs where they had made the playoffs for four consecutive years, they lost to the eventual Stanley cup champion three times And they lost to the team that was in the cup final when they played them in the second round once. And that was the Boston Bruins that year with Matt Duchesne and all those guys. If the Blue Jackets are able to win that series, who knows what happens? I think the Blue Jackets had a really good shot that year. They were really, really good. That was a fun team. So, and I don't remember a buzz in the city like that since then, or prior to that, really, as long as I've been with the Blue Jackets and been in Columbus so I'll go with that. I really that was so fun. I really enjoyed that.
2: I think about that game five against Boston all the time, where I'm just like, if they could have just scored, if they could have just won that game in overtime,
0: yeah. What I,
2: will we be talking about now? We'll we be yeah, talking about a team that has a cup.
0: Things would have been different. My biggest memory is like I remember. So when they swept Tampa. I remember the first game that the Blue Jackets came back game three against the Lightning at Nationwide Arena. That was the loudest I'd ever heard it when the Blue Jackets took the ice. I had like a mini panic attack and I never have panic attacks, but it was so loud that I thought like the press box was going to like fall to the floor. I was like, oh, my God, it's so loud. And then it was then when when they came back uh, from Boston for game three against the Bruins, it was even louder. So it was like, holy crap.
2: Yeah, absolutely wild that place is when they're playing hockey that matters, right? And I, can't, even, I
0: cannot wait till there's another playoff series at Nationwide Arena. I cannot wait.
2: You and me both. Well, I this is probably unfair, but I'm going to throw the three names we've talked to you the most about today. And I'm going to the first team that comes to mind where are they after the deadline?
0: Okay. All
2: right, Max Domi.
0: Uh, I like Max Domi and I've said this a ton lately and I haven't really seen a whole lot about it, but I like Max Domi to the LA Kings. I think he'd be such a good fit. Um, maybe on the first line, second line, even the third line with the LA Kings, he's got grit. He can score and you put him with some of their good young talent, not to mention the Kings have plenty to return to the blue jackets. They got a lot of young prospects. They got picks. So, uh, I, something intrigues me about Max Domi going to the LA Kings.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard that. I've heard Rangers all day, so I yeah. love I love hearing Kings.
0: I like the Rangers for him too. That's that's another good fit. I think I've heard a little bit about Toronto. I've heard you know maybe even Colorado. All those teams that are looking for secondary scoring. But I love. I think he fits really well in LA.
2: Yeah, something about him in LA just as like also as a person. Just it feel, works, right? right? It works.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I would miss him, but hey, the Columbus is the LA of the Midwest, right? So, um, how about Jonas Korbasala?
0: I like Corpy to, uh, to Minnesota. I, I, even if it's like their third, you know, their, their insurance policy. And I don't, I don't know what the situation is there with their goaltenders. I hadn't, I didn't necessarily realize that both of those guys were right around a, a goals against average of three and save percentages right around nine, 900. And I mean, Corpy's numbers are, are not great this season, but you know, I, I wonder if, they have a little three-way battle to try and get the best out of some guys towards the end of the season. So I could see Jonas Corposalo go in there, but there are a number of places he could go. Fair.
2: And then my last one is Dean Kukin for you.
0: Dean Kukin. That one, I have no clue to be completely <laughs> honest. Neither. That's, that's going to be like, whoever needs some nice defensive depth for the playoffs. Um, Colorado just traded for Josh Manson. So who knows? maybe, Kyle Dubas said that they're looking for one more defenseman so let's go Dean Cook into Toronto.
2: No, I'll go with Calgary. That'll be my pick. Yeah, <laughs> I, Calgary
0: not? Calgary did Why actually not? Calgary did actually come to mind for me, but I like the defense they have in place there, yeah. so I didn't want to go with that. But Calgary was the first place I thought of, so credit to you.
2: Yeah, and it's no disrespect to, to Dean's game, but he just no. he, I have him as like a seventh defenseman in case of injury for, yeah, for a yeah, really yeah. good competitive team. So yeah,
0: right, right. Exactly. Like a guy that could step in and, and play great hockey for you if you had to, but he's not going to be your a top four guy for you.
2: Yeah. But Laura, you have the most fun rapid fire question.
1: I do. And it's the question that we like to end all of our interviews with Dylan. Cause when we first, when we first started the show a little over a year ago, um, we were trying, kind of trying to find our way and we found our way talking about snacks. Okay. Um, as let uh, me surprise you. So um, when the blue jackets win the Stanley cup and you get your chance with the cup, what food item will you eat out of it?
0: Oh, that is a great question. The first thing that pops to mind is chicken fried rice for me because I love chicken fried rice and I feel like it would look so nice in the top of the Stanley Cup there. So, I'll go with chicken fried rice.
2: Yeah, that's good
1: I one. yeah, I absolutely love because I already picturing like the nice dome.
0: Oh yeah, like, yeah, right, right, right. I'm a big Mexican fan. Mexican food's my favorite, but Chinese is right up there too. And oh, I chicken fried rice that oh, it's so good out of the Stanley Cup. Let's go. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for that.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm sure you wouldn't be the first. I feel like that feels like a popular food. And yeah, if you're really,
0: We got to win the... that The thing is, we got to win the Stanley Cup in a place... Well, this would mean we won it away from Nationwide Arena, but a place with a good Chinatown. I don't know how that would work, but... Maybe if we were to win the Cup in L.A., I could go to some of my favorite Chinese restaurants back in L.A. and get some fried rice out of the Cup. I was going to say, there's no... Maybe, I guess if you were to win the cup in San Jose, you could go to San Francisco. They have a terrific Chinatown there. So some of the best fried rice I've ever had in San Francisco. So maybe there.
2: So what I'm learning is that when Laura and I eventually do our West Coast trip to catch the jackets, that I'm going to be reaching out to you for all the, the Chinese food recommendations.
0: Yeah, just go to Yang Chow in Chinatown in Los Angeles. It's yeah. so good.
2: Yeah, I know it. I'll write that
0: down. On <laughs>
2: But Dylan, man, thank you so much for taking some time to to listen to our our questions, to give us great feedback on on the questions. I think it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, me too. Hopefully, I wasn't too long winded, and hopefully, I gave enough uh, enough answers that all all the listeners got some insight from me. One thing that I will say that I didn't talk about is. I'm really interested to see if the blue jackets retain uh, salary cap space in some of these deals, or if they're a uh, third party broker in some of these deals, because the blue jackets do have oodles of, of salary cap space. And you know, Hey, if you, if you retain max Domi's salary, so his cap hit is a, a lesser number going to a team that needs to squeeze him in. Maybe you milk, a first round draft pick out of max Domi. Maybe you milk more picks out of max Domi and, Maybe are able to do that, brokering some other deals. So I'm really intrigued and really interested to see if the Blue Jackets do that because that's an excellent way to uh, accrue some picks for the upcoming draft.
2: Yeah, Max Domia at two and a half million is worth a lot more than Max Dumbie at five million, without a doubt. So that's a very fair point. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, Dylan, tell us where the good folks can find you. They can, uh, you know, catch up on your on your uh, prospect pipeline podcast, all that kind of fun stuff.
0: Yeah, you can pretty much find everything that. Uh, I'm doing just by following me. Following me on Twitter at Dylan Tyre, D Y L A N T Y R E R. Not an Instagram guy, so you don't have to worry about following me on Instagram. You can just follow me on Twitter and make sure to uh, to check us out on uh, CBJ Radio, the Blue Jackets Radio Network, wherever you might be listening across the state of Ohio or beyond that. We're on uh, streaming on Bluejackets.com, streaming on the NHL app can always find us on 97.1 The Fan or 105.7 uh, here locally in Columbus. We've been having some fun this season, Bob McElligot and I. We do a lot of giveaways on our broadcasts, whether it's uh, Jackets Math or CBJ Radio Trivia, um, giving away autographed items, tickets, T-shirts. So make sure to check us out because I've had a lot of fun doing that too.
2: Yeah, I always, whenever I hear the math questions, I panic. I'm like, there's no way. There's no I'm- way I'm getting this in.
0: I am a horrible, horrible math student. I was like always a good student in school, but math was by far my worst subject. And I, I don't know if it's I'm bad at it or if I just have zero interest at all in numbers. But those jackets, math questions, you know, I'm proud of those ones getting those ones together. They're
2: good work. They're good work. And <laughs> thank you. You know, if the good folks are listening to the show, they probably know where to find us subjectively speaking on social media. But Laura, just remind the good people where they can find us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking uh, or visit our website subjectivelyspeaking.com and you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Again, we super love a five-star rating. It's our favorite number.
2: That it is, and Dylan, again, we can't thank you enough. We hope the next week is pretty calm for you. Again, this episode came out on Friday, so hopefully, hopefully, mo behaved between Monday and Friday. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. right.
2: We'll panic release if we start hearing rumors, right? So,
0: <laughs> we can, if it comes to it, we can re-record. Hopefully not, but we can re-record.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Well, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you taking the time today. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.
0: Yeah. Thanks again, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. And yeah, I will uh, hopefully see you guys in person sooner rather than later.
2: Sounds good. And until our next episode, we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.